You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. The Fox in the Phoenix podcast is now a proud recipient of two 27th Annual Communicators Awards, garnering audio and podcast distinction for individual episodes in the categories of society and culture and diversity and inclusion. I'm Savannah Hawk, cross-dresser, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of foxandhanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for crossdressers and transgender women. Hi, Savannah. Hey, Julie. How are you? I am fantastical. Nice. It's been a very good weekend for me. I got to meet up with some friends of mine that I haven't seen in quite some time on both Saturday and this morning. So COVID being what it is, you know, puts us in a deep sleep for months at a time. And it blows my mind that I haven't seen Kristen in probably the second time since January. And I haven't seen my friend Mm -hmm. Joe for probably a year. So it's it's been a very fulfilling couple days in terms of reconnecting with people. I went to the mall with Kristen and got myself a new dress that you can see. I decided to put this new dress on. It looks so great. Thank you. I'm very happy with it. Black with these gorgeous white flowers all over. Yeah, and it's a little shiny. A little sheen. Yeah, so I'm totally digging it. It's a great cut. Thank you. I will say it was funny, though, because when I tried it on, and, you know, I was in boy mode when I tried it on. So we went, yes, I was actually in boy mode. And went to, and I had the dresses, you know, on the hook on my finger. And they're like, oh, do you want Oh, was I supposed to do, like, a shock? Boy mode. <laughs> well, it was shocking because the lady who was, oh, do you want to try those on? Was kind of like saying, do you want to try those on? But looking at Kristen and mm. not me. But um, You were the help. I was the help, but I went right in and she didn't think anything of it or didn't make a comment. Mm. And both outfits fit. And this is a little tip and trick for others who may want to try stuff on at the store, if able. Things will look much better on you if you have your forms and your padding. Because this dress did not hang, obviously, the same way when I was in boy mode. So it didn't, like, really accentuate the way one would think. But now, in all my padded glory, it looks very nice. Yes, and you can't really tell how it's going to fit on you if you don't have the accoutrements that make your curves part of your body. Yeah. Hey, listen, for $17 on sale clearance, it's a go. (laughs) But it's good enough. It's not like it looked like bad. It didn't look bad. I thought it had potential knowing it needed the curves. And like I said, for some... And I'm glad you got it because that's not like, oh, well, 17 bucks compared to... Like, it's not that. It's an awesome go-to dress. It's a perfect above knee length. You know Mm -hmm. how I love my above knees. You Uh. too. (laughs) I'm happy for you. Thank you. And yeah, it's a really interesting concept watching the world slowly open up again and suddenly i know that i actually this past week went to a thai restaurant with two of my friends and this is the first evening ladies night that i've experienced in like a year and a Mm. half and it definitely felt that way like i just didn't really know how to engage in this kind of setting it was like I was re-entering the world as like a human being with who who talks to other human beings and sits. We each got a fun mixed drink and we ate mm-hmm. some delicious Thai food. But I think that it definitely took a moment for all of us to kind of get adjusted yeah, to yeah. 
interacting again. And there was definitely some social, not faux pas, but like a little bit of fumbling along the way, a little bit of, oh, they take the menu and like <laughs> just basics, yeah. basic sitting down in a social setting that I just have missed terribly. And I don't know, a, it was a fun evening. There was, the, there was definitely this kind of out-of-body sensation, which shows how out of practice I am. <laughs> and I can tell you that I am certainly not alone. And I think that it'll be interesting having each one of us re-enter the world and just notice how strange it feels and then how normal. And there's a remembering, mm-hmm. right, yeah. that goes yeah. on. And yeah, it was but, fun. Yeah, I can imagine. I went out to Columbia last weekend and they don't have physical menus anymore they have a qr code in the middle of the table that you have to scan yeah in the world of covid now we're use your phone and find your qr reader to find the website with yeah that's so interesting you say that because the drink menu was actually a laminated thing but Mm -hmm. like the actual food menu was this app yeah it was weird yeah yeah so that's a brand new thing so like you talk about faux pas of like not remembering how to act now there's a whole other set of rules that we have to be aware of when we go to different places. So by the time this episode airs, we could be wide open at that point. But there's always going to be... That feels weird. It feels weird. And there's going to be so many adjustments to the new normal and how things actually are in the world. Scott went to a bar last night because his friend Jessica was in town again. And he said that literally... No one at the bar had masks on. He was Hmm. the only one. Isn't that weird? It is weird, and it's disconcerting. The more crowded it gets and the less masks are worn, for me, it it makes me uncomfortable still because I know we're not fully out of the woods yet, so I still get a little uncomfortable and, and just a little anxious. So I try to stay away from overly crowded situations. Yeah, and he's not really a bar kind of guy anyways. This was specifically someone he met on a meetup group that was visiting. So he re-entered a situation that he doesn't normally do on the regular just to see this friend who was in town. How crazy is it that he was in this crowded area mm-hmm. and no one was wearing a mask but him? Yeah. That just feels like some Alice in Wonderland shit where you're just like, <laughs> what the hell? You yeah, know? Like, like, it's like, did I not get the memo? What's happening here? Needless yeah. to say, he stayed for 10 minutes and left. Okay. Well, <laughs> apparently he hit his comfort level as well. So it is time. Yes. For time the for... Fox and the Phoenix podcast episode. So, what is our topic for today? Well, we are delving back into. Last week's episode, we we hit a good stride at about an hour, and I think we both felt as like, wow, we got a lot more to say about this and not enough time to do it in. So we're coming back fresh with the rest of it. Which seems to be quite common with our significant other episodes. They're they're (laughs) dense, so I think it was smart of us, if I can give us a pat on the pat on the tit with this one <laughs> kind of separated into two episodes so yeah i think we should dive right in another thing i'll say is that we know that some of our listeners do stop and discuss our episodes as they go which would make an hour episode maybe an hour and a half episode because they're pausing it and discussing it so yeah we didn't want to overburden this thing with two hours of fox in the phoenix right i mean I could talk to you forever. I just want you to I know. I could talk to you forever. And oh, we do. And we do. It's we true. do. But for the listeners, they probably have a, you know, us in small doses. <laughs> yes. Yes. So get cozy. Let's just settle into another, another significant other journey. All right. Here comes part two. Here it is. 
here's another point, and this actually was one of the points that brought all these to my attention, which is, hey, um, Savannah, yeah, why don't you care enough about Chuck? Why do you why do you care so much more about Savannah than you do about Chuck? Mm. Yes. <laughs> so there is something to unravel because I've actually have been asked that question several times because they just assume because Savannah is so I I don't know what the word would be but maybe like over the top in relationship to Chuck more like outgoing and more just out there and wanting to be public and wanting to be this and having all these aspirations for her as a person right by comparison Chuck's just in the background going to work every day and like so when you look at the surface, it's like, well, Savannah gets all the clothes. You buy stuff for her, but you don't ever buy stuff for Chuck. Um, you know, that closet is twice as big as a closet for Chuck. You know, it's like by comparison, it seems that I care more about being Savannah than I care about being Chuck. Well, Chuck is not a survivor of visibility. Chuck does not need the same kind of protection or care as Savannah. Chuck doesn't need as much self-care when it comes to, to their presentation or showing up in the world. Chuck just gets up, you know, does the things that he needs to do and leaves. Where Savannah is a real, you have turned Savannah into a real kind of public figure mm-hmm. with, as you and I have talked about on multiple occasions, responsibilities. And to put yourself in a direction of not only safety, but a large amount of influence where Chuck doesn't need that. What's you are just you in the world in a male form. And you have been in that male form, doing the things, living the life. Yeah. And to be honest, unless you're considered quote metrosexual, all the kind of stuff that goes into one's appearance eh, for a man, it's not that deep, honestly. For women, it's everything. It's our currency in terms mm. of how we dress, what we say, what we don't say, our movements. So the natural, just down to the natural movements, you don't have to consider how you move through the world as Chuck. You just do. Savannah has to consider every little movement so that Chuck doesn't kind of bleed through. <laughs> I mean, Savannah is more a controlled situation where Chuck is just kind of like, just as you you know, came out the womb. <laughs> and so there is just, it's higher stakes when it comes to Savannah's survival. It's higher stakes when it comes to existing and sharing space with other people. It's a thing, you know, transgender rights are a thing. It's now on being spotlighted. And yeah. as such, you have an added feeling of responsibility like i just used that term of okay if they see me as someone who is transgender i'm going to approach my my gender identity as female with enough care caution and love i'm going to put all that into it because i truly am i love savannah and she is real to me you know but it's it's your high maintenance when it comes to savannah where you're (laughs) not with chuck and I'm I respect that. I'm definitely higher maintenance. Thank you for all that. I actually hadn't thought of half those things you said. Yeah, higher I'm, maintenance. I'm I didn't higher mean maintenance. You're like a diva. <laughs> I'm not a diva, not yet. Anyway, um, when I was posed that question, you were way more eloquent 
in your response to that question about me than I typically am. The one thing you said that I typically say is like, well, I've lived my world as Chuck. I went to high school and college and I got a job that I've been with for over 20 some years. I've made successes in my life as Chuck. But when it comes to fashion or how the care, the self-care I put into it, why does Savannah get so much more self-care than Chuck does? Well, Savannah is a periodic expression. I go through the world primarily as Chuck. So I'm comfortable in this skin. I don't feel I have to do more to prove who Chuck is. I am so content to have my Marvel graphic socks on and my jeans and my sack of suds t-shirt. t-shirt. Yeah, I was going to say my Pennywise t-shirt or my sack of suds t-shirt, which I love. How you doing? And those things make me happy. There was a time early in my professional career where I'd wear button-down vests with like an open necked dress shirt. It was stylish and it was professional, but did I love it? I mean, I love the compliments I got, but I wasn't like in love with dressing that way as Chuck. I'm so much more happy to be in a pair of comfortable jeans and my super cool graphic tees of all types that I have. And that makes me happy. So just because the how we present male versus female is so different doesn't mean I don't love the presentation I have. It just takes a lot less effort. Yeah. It just, yeah. You are at home in a certain aesthetic that feels effortless to you because it's you. It's your authentic male style. Yes. Yes. And exactly. just, just as you were speaking, I thought about another point and that's back when Savannah became a fully actualized person and being in your life, you hadn't written the books. You hadn't, you were just happy going to the club and getting ready and just putting in the effort as maybe what, once a- The club, probably like once every two, three weeks. Right. Yeah. So when you did, you just did the thing that people do when they're going to clubs. Like you, as female, you just mm-hmm. dressed and it was, an, but now that you have put yourself on a higher level, thanks to the book, there's a lot of responsibility that comes from Savannah. This weekend, you met someone who you two have connected. Mm-hmm. You love each other dearly. You've yes. messaged back and forth. You, you're very much influencers in terms of she is to style and beauty and yep. you are to yep. your book and the podcast. But when you were going to meet, I'm sure you felt to be this person that she thinks you are. And you always do. Like you always yeah. show up yeah. in a certain way with a certain that is a part of your brand. I absolutely want to present myself in a way that holds to that standard because it's one thing to have a brand. You know, it's one thing to let myself down and my brand down, but this is another thing wholly to, to feel that you need also to be responsible to how people perceive you. Yes. And I'm not even talking about... How you show up in the world. Yeah. It's a part of your being. I'm just saying... Well, I just want to make that point. Yeah, yeah, I I hear you. Absolutely. But the point I was going to make is it's one thing to dress appropriately for the person I was meeting and have a a genuine personal interaction. But it's another thing about being somebody like us in the world, in a, a public space where everybody can see you and you're interacting and engaging with staff and other patrons where you also have to think about how they see you. And you have to change their mind just by being there. And that is very important to me is to make that impact to say, 
oh my god you know lydia i saw this this these ladies at the table and i think they were they were like men i want them to take that notion of what they saw and how we were received and how we engage with people and take that in a place that was positive to take away that versus like yes yeah, so i know the crossdresser today they're disgusting you know, right. I didn't want that. I need, and for me, it's so you. uber important to to present. You were representing yes. your tribe. Like when yes. you and Tina were out, you were representing crossdressers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like we're, you know, yeah, yeah, as best as you could. You were best representing we the highest part of yourself, that yes. highest, most polished, most kind way. And that's you can, you know, that's as Chuck, you're you're just as kind and just as sweet and gracious. That's something that kind of crosses over from your male side to your female side. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> but I always think it's interesting if like, if what if on the podcast, like Madonna had with that slight English accent <laughs> and like suddenly when you're out with Tina, you, you're like, this is my real voice. <laughs> how are you doing? This is how I talk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get back on this road, shall we? <laughs> I will start with sex. Nice. I usually finish Whenever I'm sex. lost, I just think of some pervy little joke in my mind that a seventh grader would think is hilarious. So I'm okay. just going to start with the sex. Sure. All right. What if the significant other feels disgusted when it, the thought of being intimate with their cross-dressing partner? What if that intimacy showing up with them as their femme self is just not what they signed up for. They're threatened. It's not consensual, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. How do you feel about that? How do I feel? Um, from a crossdresser point of view who has a singular mind, who just happens to have two different presentations, I'm still the same mind. So I've mentioned this, maybe I mentioned this before, where it's one thing to be rejected by your partner, because they're not into that. They're not into the feminine. That's not a turn on for them. It is still somewhat of a rejection. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to compartmentalize the rejection of your female half to the acceptance of your male half. That's a hard bridge to put a wall against. Especially if you're dual gender. Yes. Like I don't assume that every crossdresser identifies as dual gender. For some, it's very much that kind of physical stuff that if mm-hmm. if their wife says, I don't want to get with Cindy ever, never, never, that they would just be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But if they are truly that dual gender, it must feel like they're only accepting half of mm. who you are, yeah. half of your being. Yeah. And yeah. for you, I know, for example, it's more than just the clothing. It's a part of your soul. Yeah, it's a tough go from both That's sides. Sad. It, it is, and it's it's. I try to temper it with the ideas, like like you said before. It's like, well, I didn't sign up. I've never been interested in women. That's not something I'm attracted to. That's not something that's a turn on. That's something that is foreign to me. You have to look past the the clothing and look at the person. You have to look at the soul and the personality of the human you're with. And sometimes. I'm sure many people have said, well, they're wearing panties and a bra to bed. And that's, I don't get into that. That's, you know, not attractive to me. I get that too. It's like, you know, it's not a feminine form. So obviously it's going to look kind of strange on a male body. So that is, again, another one of those discussions to be had. 
Like, do you have a hard line that you're never going to cross? Is it something you just have to work through because it's just not something you grew up with and you really have to kind of reassess your, your standards of how you see the world and how you see your partnership? Is it something that you can say, you know what, I know this is only once in a while, so hey, let's have fun with it. Let's just delve into it and experiment more. And there are some people who are open for experimentation in yeah. that way, and some people who, yeah, they're a little more uh, traditional in how they see uh, intimacy and sex. So across and the board, it's it's difficult. Yeah. It's up to the significant other to decide how this cross-dressing partner's truth is going to penetrate your reality. This is something that either you found out later after you've signed up for it, or this is something that you're trying really hard to integrate, wondering whether or not you can be with this person or not. Or there's a lot of different scenarios that we mm -hmm. can kind of pile onto this. Sure. I do think trying it out is important because if you don't push through those boundaries, you'll never know how you feel about it. But I do think that it needs to be a slow progression. I don't think that someone should put themselves from zero to 10. I think maybe it can start in a small way. It can start with pantyhose or it can start with fully experiencing your partner your cross-dressing partner with female underwear on. And then what it would mean to rub your hands over that area. I mean, it can start very, very slow, I think. And that could show some validation for this person that you love so much. To me, that's something that I could handle, really. Like, I'm not just an ally and a diehard cheerleader for cross-dressers everywhere. I'm also a wife. Right. So when I put myself in the shoes of the significant other, I don't know how I would handle this reveal if this is Scott's truth. Mm -hmm. I think that if someone told me small steps and maybe that small step could be your reality forever or whatever, because all that partner wants, all that cross-dresser needs and wants is validation that you're putting in the work to see them in that way, even though you're not into it. I'm sorry, but like how many things do women and men do for their partner sexually if they're, if it's not really that th their thing, but they're doing it because it gives your partner pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so for that, they are getting that bit of delight because they're pleasing their partner in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if the crossdresser can't compromise and says, well, it's full femme or nothing, or you're not, sorry, it's nothing then, you know, the cop, the, the crossdresser needs to compromise and think about it also in these micro doses and being like, okay, what's a small step? How can we start small and see how you feel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think absolutely. that's a good solution yeah, that, I, that you, my ramble just came to. <laughs> it, well, no, but it's a very important point. That if you're not familiar in a community and this is not your scene and you didn't go to the, the club and work your experimentation when you were younger, so you're more into the nuance of intimacy and sexuality. And if it's all very traditional, it can be very jarring for a partner. I totally get that. And at the end of the day, the foundation for your significant others, they must feel safe. Going into any sexual scenario for the first time, there needs to be some sort of slow drip and they need to know that this partner is there every step of the way. Mm. Are you okay? How does this feel for you? Is it okay if I, those kind of words, I feel like that's the crossdresser's job to make sure they're caring for their partner because this is very new. Yeah, so especially when your your experience has been very traditional or you just have no exposure to this element. Yeah, I get that completely. So rolling back 
rolling back to the original question of how much compromise is too much compromise and how much compromise is detrimental to the growth of the person, you know, like putting that lizard into a small terrarium versus a large terrarium Mm -hmm. to let them explore the space and and grow and just develop and become more of who they are and grow up. I don't know if we answered any questions. I know we said a lot of things about a lot of topics and hopefully there's nuggets in there for everybody. I just want to throw this out there again is that we are dealing with human lives. Mm -hmm. So to what you just said about the significant other in the bedroom, about feeling safe, that's a very human thing to take into account. And on the flip side, you know, a person's identity of who they are, whether it's one day a week, whether they only wear panties under their clothes once a month, or they decide to transition. This is a person. This is a person's life that is in your hands. So be kind to your cross-dressing partner. Be kind, be empathetic, be compassionate. If there are things of discourse and dissent and things that are coming from a, a moment or place of fear, recognize that the decisions you're making for your partner in your relationship, make sure that the compromises are coming from a place of positivity, coming from a place of, hey, I understand what you're saying, but for me, I'm not there yet, or I'd rather you not tell the neighbors, and here's why. Here's my fear. Don't make it like a parent-to-child situation where it's, don't do that. Why? Because I said so. You are dealing with a human adult that is trying to be their most authentic self, and it is in our nature as cross-dressers to take whatever crumbs we can get Right, right, right. And and that is not how anybody should live a life that, well, I know she doesn't approve of X, Y, and Z, but I will totally take MNO and P because she's given me that. So I'm going to be very excited about those couple of things she's given me. Because it's, it's so much worse for a lot of different people. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just recognize you're dealing with a, a human being and that we all have feelings and we both people as partners should be very aware of the other. But let's not act like all the power should be in either of our hands. It shouldn't be like, I'm going to do this and I don't give a shit what you say. Or you're not coming out of the house this way. How dare you? You never. I'm never letting you. That's not how <laughs> humanity is built or should be built. Not when you're dealing with the truth of a person. Yeah. And that for the significant others, another takeaway is, you know, when when your cross-dressing partner comes out to you or, and tells you that it's okay not to be okay, you can still love and support them and be struggling inside. There is room for both. There is room for both. As long as you don't sit in that feeling without resolution as long as you don't sit in that feeling and let it erode and turn into resentment right and severe amounts of control Mm -hmm. but it's okay to feel fearful for their safety of course and support them through this at the same time it's okay feeling like you wish you didn't know this information and it's scary and it's it changes things and i have all these different fears that's okay there's room for both and the the quicker you can get some help and and work through some of those fears, mm-hmm. the more room you'll have to truly love your partner. Yes. Oh, perfectly said. That's so perfectly said. Yeah. yeah. 
we can't make decisions long-term based on fear. It's not healthy for either of us. It's not sustainable. Having being told something because the other person is coming from a place of fear or resentment or anxiety or stress or whatever the, the causation is, the person receiving that instruction is going to start building their own resentment because they're always going to feel that they're like, well, I'll just take what I can get. I'll sacrifice everything else. That just means I'm going to be a partial person of <laughs> my authenticity, not ever grow beyond that smaller term. Right. Or I don't want to know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Please, you do you, you know, once a week you can go out for business, get a hotel, dress, go to all these things, but I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to know. To me, I see value in both sides. Mm-hmm. I see heartbreak on both sides. You know, I, I see that as being something that will give the crossdresser a message that my partner, the person that I am, I've chosen to be on this planet with doesn't want to see me in female form. Am I okay with that? Can I make peace with that? Or or can I say, yippee, and feel like a 21-year-old and, and, and live and grow and thrive within those boundaries, knowing that she's going to be totally cool if I go to a conference two months from now? It's interesting because there's so many different ways that this could look yeah. and so many different boundaries that can be set. And who are we to say what's wrong and what's right, mm-hmm. what's healthy and what's not, what's a shame and what isn't. If it works for both individuals, it works. And that's the key. As long and as it works key. positively for both individuals in a partnership, then it's really not a compromise as much as it's a coming to an accord. It's all about getting the buy-in from both people, right? You can't say, no, I'm telling you, you can or cannot do something. That is not buy-in. That's being told that you have limits. But if you all agree to the limits and it's satisfactory, and I'm going to throw in another point, which is you said in a marriage, you should come back to the marriage contract five years later and say, you know, like the cross-dressing marriage contract and say, all right, let's revisit the accord. Uh, I want to look at paragraph seven, uh, subpart C about uh, going to the club. Or (laughs) going out way later. Can we just do a game night with this friend of mine and know that things change and like what's okay with both partners has to be revisited occasionally. Both people have to be challenged as well as they need to challenge. Um, Because if we all set the rules and we abide by it, and then nobody ever grows because the rules were set, so now we don't have to think about it anymore. We don't have to challenge ourselves or feel uncomfortable because we've made the rules. I think that's also not healthy. And you know you and you know me, we always are assessing. We're always questioning. We're always going to be asking that question. Every time somebody asks me, it's like, why don't you care about Chuck as much as Savannah? Well, I have to think about it because it really is a different answer at that moment. It's like, what Right, does and I've it? never heard that answer about Chuck. Yeah. Like, I've never heard you talk about Chuck in a way that's like... I love my teacher, you know, like, I I mean, you said it on this podcast in different ways, but like, to me, I can hear the vibration of your voice and the maturity um, of your dual gender existence. And it sounds like you have a little more love for Chuck than you did, like a little more consideration and know that, yes, the grooming and the showing up in the world and the 
the kick-ass t-shirts that I like to wear and the way I like to show up. I like this. It's comfortable. I'm appreciating it. It may be simplicity in its finest, or it may be, you know, less razzmatazz. But for me, the t-shirts I wear tap into my inner, you know, seventh grader that brings me tremendous my joy. And how cool is it that I have a job where I can express myself with these awesome t-shirts and just be me. Like that yes. is a different vibration than being than being than going along with the stereotypical Dress thoughts code. and yeah. opinions of others in your social circle. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, Why do you put so much effort into that? And then there's Chuck. There's things, there's body stuff. And there's like <laughs> not to say there isn't body stuff with boys. You know what I mean. I forget yeah, my I, point, but it was no, basically... You, it was that <laughs> I recognize and have more happiness with realizing that not adhering to, quote-unquote, the corporate dress code, you know, makes me happy. It makes me happy to wear what I like to wear. And yet, even though they're, they might be $20 t-shirts... It makes me happy. It folds up in my drawer. It doesn't need to take up a huge amount of my you closet space. You don't wish you were wearing a wrap dress with heels and makeup and a wig. Like you don't wish that for yourself. If you w- woke up that, you know, if you woke up like, okay, this happened, which I don't think you would be. I think you'd be like, oh, yeah. like it would be a whole, you know, thing. <laughs> yes. Like I think yes. you don't give credit to that. But like you love Chuck. You you are him for more of your percentage than you are Savannah. Yeah, absolutely. So like that example you gave about when Judy does get dressed up, it's like, oh, they're dressing up. They're, you know, putting effort, looking glamorous on this one. It's a treat. It's a treat. For Savannah, I'd say, if you know, I think it goes beyond the treat phase with all the responsibilities you have, but you are elevated in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds more positive and like you own that idea that Chuck isn't just like, meh, I'm meh, I'm just, you know, whatever. Yeah. You sound like you have a little more self-esteem about it and some love towards your image and, and your manhood than you did when we first, when I first met you. Yeah. I, you know what? You're very astute. That's probably very true. Because anytime like Judy uh, and other people... Like when we said, oh, you oh, you going to dinner? Okay, how are you showing up? You're going to be Savannah or just drab? And oh. and Judy and others have hated the word drab because it had a negative connotation of, well, you think of your maleness as drab or nerdy. Yeah, it's Meh. not a good slang Meh. word to add to the... Right? But for me, yeah. we just grew up with the slang, so we used it. We didn't think anything right. about it. But I think there is something to be said about what you just said about... When you first met me, Chuck was always kind of a, eh, just Chuck, whatever. It's true. I never put thought into Chuck because Chuck always was and always is. But now, as I've been asked this question more and more often, I'm starting to recognize, yeah, I say me because I don't have to put thought into it. So because it's thoughtless and not a conscious effort, right? Because it's not a conscious Mm -hmm. effort in my brain, I feel like it's not anything, Right. The fact that it's like so easy and effortless is actually what makes me happy about it. And you you enjoy what you put on your body. Yeah. Very much. I so. like that. Yeah. But I have a question before we wrap up. Of is course. My fa- 
remember at the top of the episode that I squirted myself profusely with this rose water? Yes. Because I'm an extremist and I can't just do the recommended squirt. <laughs> like, I feel like my face. <laughs> I'm really embarrassed. I know, I know you tell me the truth like Judy did with the back fat. Playback. Does my face... <laughs> Does my face look pink? It does, like under like, <laughs> your cheeks. From your cheeks down, it looks it looks like pinkish. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, and ladies and dudes and dudettes, I feel like I just gave myself a rash for oh, comedy no. sake, and I feel like my <laughs> my face is pink. It has a rash now. Oh, that's Well, terrible. I have to look at it out of the Zoom, but I noticed yeah. like five minutes after I squirted and I keep on, as we're going through these like amazing conversations, I keep on looking over. I'm like, so What's yes, mean? confirmed it is. Oh, um, well, thank you for sacrificing for comedy. I appreciate well, it. Well, I also wanted to be refreshed because I was really just scrappy and tired. Hmm. All right, where were we? Hey, oh, hey, guys. Hey, hey, hey uh, welcome back. Welcome back welcome to the back. show. Uh, just, yeah. just, uh, you just caused that the tail end. I think we're going to wrap up now. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a rash on my face, but we're not going to talk about that again. No. We are going to talk about this wonderful show and really hope that <laughs> you benefited from the discussion we had today. We had a lot of discussions. We had a lot of discussion you know? points. And I, I can't even imagine if we did this thing justice. Um, right. But... I think whenever I, I'm getting the feeling that the significant other episodes are really kind of at the forefront that add that extra bit of juice that's needed to the podcast, because it mm. really is something that if the crossdresser isn't listening with their significant other, they at least are thinking of them. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 reinventing how they kind of can approach this whole scenario with them. And yeah. I have heard from many people, I know that this has, they listen to with their partner or they don't, but it has given them the bravery to kind of have these discussions and reflections with their partner, mm -hmm. with us as kind of their guide. So I'm just beyond touched at that. Yeah. And we can always come back to this we will always come back to this the significant other episodes are very important and our different perspectives just based on who we are as individuals are very much needed to give it the respect it deserves because i see both as someone who's very empathic i see both sides of of the coin and with the significant others i am very much thinking about it if i were one of you I am one of you, but finding out the information that my husband is a crossdresser because he did have a moment as Skatina. <laughs> I'm just saying in college, he had a Skatina character that he wore for Halloween. So, you know, the name doesn't have to go so, too far. All right, what are we talking about? Wrapping up, wrapping up. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you want to do the honors? <laughs> well, I'm going to just say for all our listeners, uh, both crossdressing and significant, that we would love to hear from you again for us we're yes. pushing out the information and we would love to hear how you as a partnership what have been your challenges and how have you made a very positive healthy compromise or our decisions about cross-dressing in a way that's beneficial for both so and maybe this is an opportunity to dust off whatever agreements you made 
between the two of you and rethink about this and see if maybe you have a different take on it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yes, we are asking and we would love your input and your, your relationship with this. Yeah, it is important. You know, we talk about relationships. Again, we talk about the cross-dresser or we talk about the significant one, but this is about the relationship. This yeah. is about how each of us feel. This is about how each of us come to the table. This is about what triggers us, sets us off, whether we understand it or don't understand it. And to recognize that the other person is going to be a byproduct of whatever you bring. It's like if you right. bring resentment or if you bring um, triggers, it's not going to be a good conversation. So be mindful mm -hmm. of what the other person is thinking. Be mindful that you're, you're both human beings and you both have flaws and you both have goals and you both have ambitions and you come with your own baggage and you come with your own hopes. So just understand that like we are all unique individuals that need, need to be understood and need to be heard. And as long as you can hear that for yourself as well and understand yourself, that's most of the battle. Mm -hmm. And no is not a never. And boundaries have a shelf life and need to be kind of revisited. Yeah. And, or you may constantly have conversations. You might constantly yeah. be pushing the boundaries and reassessing and, and have it as a healthy part of your lifestyle all the time. You know, that may be a, a way to do it too. Our tribe, the tribe that we're kind of trying to foster, meaning you, our listeners, you as a crossdresser, you're not a dirty little secret. No. No. And so we're trying to change the narrative on that. And, you know, to the significant others, your, your cross-dressing love is not a dirty secret. They're a, hu they're a human being. And so where can we kind of meet in the middle with our humanity to protect both people and have them both feel understood and held within their truths? If you want your cross-dressing spouse to think of you and love you in their authentic space, can there be more space made for your cross-dressing partner? Mm -hmm. Or shouldn't they have that same respect and that goal? Shouldn't yeah. you have that same goal for them as you want them to have for you? We know that this isn't always the case. We're not Pollyanna about it. We know that it's more complicated than that, but maybe we can leave this episode on a hopeful note. Yeah, I love it. And I love what you bring so, every week. It was lovely to talk to you today yeah thank you and you as always like i said you're always bringing it rose water or no you're always and i love you i realize i haven't told you in Aww. a while how much i love you and i love you and i love you and i will say i love that you were there for me on my long drive home to keep me safe anytime literally anytime thanks if anytime you need me i'm here Aww. Yeah. and and vice versa Mm. all right come here you oh, no. mm, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's about as hopeful as you can get yes really <laughs> so bye for now until next time you can find me on facebook at savannah hawk or at Living With Crossdressing, and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. 
And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor, copyright 2021. Yes, nailed it. We would love to hear from you because your story matters. Please comment and share on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.